afternoon. This is Jeremy with the Christmas Tree Farming Podcast. Today is 20 December, and we are just following up on a piece of content that we're writing for our website, uh, the Beginner's Guide to Christmas Tree Farming. Um, we've kind of posted the outline to that and included a few pieces of content that go off of that. But the goal uh, being there's one master reference uh, page, as you would, that would have a lot of information for potential uh, Christmas tree farmers or, or beginning Christmas tree farmers. Um, we're just going to, you know, document as we uh, live and learn this process and put in, you know, the knowledge that we've got. Um, our website is christmastreeky.com. That little piece of content is located in the news section under our blog. Today we're going to go over one of the chapters that we're writing is, is pros and cons, or it's basically tips and tricks of uh, Christmas tree farming, things you need to think about if you're considering Christmas tree farming, or if you just started Christmas tree farming, things to consider. Um, <clears throat> number one would be prepared for a time investment. Christmas trees aren't like a normal cash crop. It's not an annual uh, crop. Uh, we, we've had several people ask us over the past few months, you know, about in the you know questions about that. You know, how what's the timing and the return on investment and stuff like that. Uh, at a high level, just be prepared for the time investment. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's just overall time. You're gonna you're gonna have to invest thousands of dollars um, for. In this area for a Christmas tree crop, you know, the species that's going to grow and sell and be very desirable, I mean, you're looking at 10 years. You know, we, I, I watched some other YouTube videos and, uh, and and listened to some podcasts and, you know, some people, you know, if you're down south or if you're, if you're willing to grow, you know, cypress-type trees, then, yeah, you might be able to squeak out a crop in six years. But if you're growing any kind of fir tree, it's, it's going to be nine or ten years. Um, and if you have the absolute best soil, then maybe. Then maybe you can get it in, in six to seven years. But most people in central Kentucky, uh, you know, Virginia, Pennsylvania, this, this region, this 6A, 6B, 7A hardiness zone area, if you're growing fir trees, I mean, you're, you're talking eight or nine years. Uh, if and that's if you're planting uh, two ones, uh, seedling two, you know, a two one transplant, you know, a three year old seedling. If you get a four year old, then you can cut a year off. But typically, eight years is what you should, really should plan on it being in the ground for you to get a sellable six to seven foot tree. Um, soil is the determining factor. It does not matter, you know, how much you want it to happen or. You know, if you just want to get after it as quickly as possible and not do any kind of soil prep, testing, grading, drainage. If you're not, you know, consulting the USDA soil survey maps for your area and working, you know, working it out in advance, then you really are just playing the lottery to see if the trees that you are growing will actually grow in your soil. And, there's, and the biggest misconception is, you know, you'll plant some trees and, and you'll see what grows. And it's not a matter of will it grow. Most trees, even in extreme conditions, as long as they, they get the right amount of irrigation, you know, water for the first two years, trees, 
trees are going to grow. I mean, any crop, you know, uh, tree crop, you know, you're going to lose 10%. That's a, that's a normal loss that you would expect from planting bare, bare root seedlings. Uh, even plugs would be 10 to 15%. But soil, it really, what really matters is can you grow the crop in the time frame that you need to make money? Uh, as an example, I may have used this term already. We had a friend that was, was growing a more exotic species of Korean and Turkish firs, and they grow. They have. It is not that they don't grow. They don't die. They they look good. But at this point, they've had they've had. I think it's a Korean fir. They've had a Korean fir in the ground for eight years and is still only four feet tall. So it's not a matter of you know, will it die? You know, that's an extreme case because that's usually, you know, the seedlings, how, how strong they are and irrigation and did you do the right things planting it with the soil and loose soil and, you know, all all that good stuff. It's, it's, is your soil ready? So you really have to look at the soil. Number three, Christmas trees require pruning. If, if they require, you know, after the second year or at planting, you got to do a basal prune to kind of prune each tree you know, that's you on your hands and knees pruning trees. You know, if you're, if you're planting a thousand trees a year, you know, after the second or third year, you're basal pruning two or three thousand trees. Um, once they get about three years old, uh, and depending on the height of your tree, you know, almost three foot, you start shearing the tree. Every tree has to be sheared every year. Again, it's a significant amount of, uh, of energy. And we, I have just witnessed uh, two beginning Christmas tree farmers give it up because the planting is easy they got the soil prep it was easy the basal pruning not too bad but when it comes time in the summer and late july and you now it's just you and your wife or you and your 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 children you now must go out and share two three four five ten thousand trees this is a full-time job for two people for the entire summer uh, all of July, and all, we're talking six weeks of solid work to shear two or three thousand trees. So I, I think people underestimate the amount of work that it is to shear Christmas trees without hiring out. Uh, and it, that's if you can find the labor to hire. Uh, choose the best evergreens for your for your area. Again, we don't know everything about Christmas trees, but what I can tell you is that certain Christmas trees grow better in your area. Um, you can look at native vegetation. You can see what's growing around you. I mean, obviously, eastern red cedar grows everywhere. But you need to know what grows for you. And if you don't know what grows for you, you do need to select several several species selections and grow just a, a really wide variety of pine, spruce, and fir trees, you know, and see what natively just does really well before you start sinking thousands of dollars into one or two species and you're buying 500 or a thousand seedlings of a certain, you know, everybody wants to grow Fraser firs and you will, you will dump several thousand dollars down the, you know, down the drain. If, if you try to grow Fraser firs all at once and you, you don't have the absolute perfect soil and you don't know what you're doing, if you buy Fraser fir seedlings and you don't, and you don't live in the hills of North Carolina or the, you know, the higher elevations, 1,100 feet or higher, then you're, you're pretty much throwing your money away. So you need to know what, what, will, what will buy. We got a lot of people now that are buying canane furs because there's a lot of literature on the Internet that says canane furs will grow 
in extreme conditions or more extreme conditions. This is true to an extent, but they all require perfect pH and they all require really well draining soil and a lot of organic matter in your soil uh, and like clay. So if you don't have these things, then it does not matter what you do. You have to either one, invest two or three years to try to get your soil up for those, for those acreages. I'm talking cover cropping, we're talking spreading chips and compost on acres of land and tilling it in so it can set for two years or three years. You have to make the investment if you want to do those things. If you don't want to do those things, then you're going to, then you're going to have to grow what will grow and, and be a little bit more realistic. Have a watering plan. Your watering plan cannot consist of you watering each individual tree each individual tree every time it needs water unless you're only growing you know two or three hundred per year so if you are a smaller christmas tree hobby farm and you're only going to plant somewhere between you know one and three hundred maybe 350 trees every year you trees if you want a very high success rate on a seedling or a transplant then it needs it needs irrigation and water daily uh, for the, at least the first 24 months. Most, like nurseries, it, they actually recommend 36 months, like if you truly get into it, um, if you want a high success rate. A lot of huge Christmas tree farmers, and, that, and that's, that has a lot to do with the higher elevations because they get so much more moisture. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the south or if you're not in a very high elevation, it, the moisture it is even it is even more compounded because not only is it now warmer, it's not getting any moisture to keep it cool. Um, so have a watering plan. Have have a way to plant. Or I'm sorry, water your plants, your trees for the first two years so they can get water every single day that they need it. You know, some sort of automatic moisture thing, or just have some sort of plan. Even if that plant is you driving a tractor around with a tank and a water dripper and, and you're spraying each tree, you know, that might be an excessive amount of time. But if you want if you want over 75% of your trees to live, then you're going to have to water them every single day or every single week, period. Find the right way to sell. Uh, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Unless you're unless you're planting, you know, hundreds of acres and you're going to do, or you know, 100 acres and you're just going to do wholesale, then then the, the right way to sell these trees is a, is a is a choose and cut operation or a pre-cut choose and cut where you're selling your own inventory and not relying on bringing trees in. Um, it if you you know like us, we we do plan to acquire some more acres in the future and, and run a wholesale operation. And, and when you run a wholesale operation or at that scale, you know, you, you, you can't really water your trees. So when you do a wholesale operation, you really are more reliant on slopes of hills and, and higher elevation uh, hillsides, you know, with good soil and expect 30, 40, even 50% of the trees to die. But it's wholesale. So, you know, you go out and you plant 5,000 trees every year on your wholesale property. And if you get 2,000 or 2,500 of them to live, then it's then it's fine. It, it makes up for it. But if you're only planting 300 and you lose 150, then it, you know it's it's not the same. It's definitely not the same dynamic. Soil prep. 
you know, we touch on it over and over. Soil prep ranges from soil testing, of course, uh, soil probe testing, where you're testing the first four inches of the soil, and then you're also testing the second four or second, the next six inches of soil to see, you know, what it looks like. Uh, checking the pH of the soil, making sure that you got the phosphorus that you need, the organic matter, just knowing the information and then getting your soil prepped. You may not be able to plant trees this year. The first year of your Christmas tree farm may be a cycle of cover crops, Sudan grass and hairy veg so that you can build up organic matter and bust through some of the clay, you know, and, and do your thing. You may, you may need to go to your sawmills or your tree service companies and get copious amounts of wood chips and sawdust so that you can spread it on the acre and till it in so that in, you know, 12 to 18 months, now you've got a little bit richer soil, a little bit more organic matter. And, you know, depending on the age of your chips that you use, if they're not aged, you might be two years because you dump wood chips or sawmill dust onto a fresh track of land, it, it, it absorbs nitrogen, right? So it's going to be a while before that's going to work. That's why I really like the sedan grass and other things that really, you know, once you green manure those in, you get your nitrogen back. It's, it's a process. So soil preparation, again, time commitment. Um, I had, this is not really an option around here because a lot of farmers are not really interested in it, but uh, sharecropping. Some some people will sharecrop. I have heard of farmers being open to the idea of sharecropping, where they will till and you know help you with the land management, where you manage the actual Christmas tree operation on their property. It is it is a, it is an option out there. If you have someone that has hundreds of thousands of acres, uh, maybe they'll cut you off a slice of fifty for a price, and they'll till it. You know, and, and, and fertilize it and everything, and they, you got to give them 50% of your profit. So you got to really think about that. Um, Christmas trees, you know, a pro Christmas trees as a whole do grow everywhere, and they are a tree. They will grow. Um, again, it's not it's not a matter of it's not all doom and gloom. They Christmas trees do grow, and in a lot of areas they grow really well. The the biggest thing is expectation management for the new farmer is will they grow well? six, seven, eight years. That is the biggest key other than, you know, a white pine, a Virginia pine, Leland cypress that we know will grow. Will a fir tree or a more favorable species of tree, can you get it to grow in seven or eight years instead of being 12 or 14 years, which it, you know, would take for it to grow if the soil isn't right. So, group of thought on that. Um, again, know your pH levels. Almost every desirable Christmas tree needs a pH between five and six and five and a half being just the sweet spot for this again central Kentucky area you, you need pH of five and a half and you need your phosphorus to be right your boron to be right your magnesium to be right you need a lot of you know your micronutrients they need to be right but your pH needs to be at five and a half and as we've said here we're, we're full born full blown into soil amendment here uh, my native pH here in Springfield, Kentucky is just about seven. In some areas it is seven for the first four inches. And then it's, you know, it's right around 6.5 to 6.8 for that bottom four or five inches of soil. Um, so we, 
you know, we have to lower our pH a whole point, you know, which takes six months to a year to achieve. And then it requires constant upkeep. So raising the pH, in my experience, is a slightly easier process. Uh, lowering the pH is a slightly harder and more expensive process. So just know that. Uh, last year, looking at our expenses, with cover crop seed, gas, sulfur, urea, and uh, ammonium sulfate, I was just over 2000 bucks just in those things, not counting the Christmas trees or equipment. So that is a, another expense, getting that pH right. So the pH requirement for me uh, cost me about 2000 bucks on two acres, so about $1,000 an acre every year for just a soil amendment. Talking about pruning and stuff, you know, we do get some trees to grow, and once they get about two to three years old, three and a half, four, you, you got to watch out for the double top. We're talking about pruning and shearing. You know, you have to make sure that the trees, uh, it's hard enough to grow them. If you get a crop that will actually grow, make sure they look good. They have to be sheared. They have to, you know, have that really nice conical shape. They can't have doubles or triple tops. There's a lot of time commitment that goes into that as well. you got to go around and, you know, we'll do the tops in a separate time. you got to shear and then maybe top separately. Um, but they have to be top. So, you you know, you have to go around and, and actually prune tops out and make the crown more, more, ple- more pleasable. Pleasing. Um, shearing happens all by hand. Uh, I have witnessed in Germany some shearing that gets done by machines, but they're... They had, I think, about 300,000 uh, Christmas trees. So I get that the investment on their automatic shearing was a little bit different. Uh, and, and that was and that was pretty much atypical. And they're actually growing Christmas trees for the American market because in Europe, specifically Germany, uh, they don't like their Christmas trees sheared. They actually use crimping and other methods to slow the growth. Um, they don't like the, the sheared look. That's an American thing. Um, so, you know, thought. whatever you have estimated your expenses to be, to be a Christmas tree farmer for the for annual expenses or for the first, you know, 10 years before you actually turn a profit, double it. That's been my experience. That's been the wisdom that's been bestowed upon me by other Christmas tree farmers is whatever you thought you were going to spend over the course of eight to 10 years, you know, 80, 100, 120,000, whatever you thought it was going to cost you to get, a, get it going, double it. It's going to cost you double. You cannot forecast how bad your soil is going to be in certain tracks. You cannot forecast the amount of fertilizer that you would need. You cannot forecast the amount of insecticide that you might need. So whatever, whatever you think you need, double it. Um, and, and then if you have a successful crop, know how you're going to get the stumps out there's land crimp again when you rotate through the second iteration like you know pulling up stumps and burning them and you know that that's a process that you probably want to hire out the tree service company uh, you can do it by hand uh, if you've bought a tractor that's going to have uh, implements that you can pop stumps up with you know a front hoe or a back hoe or you know uh, if you have a skid steer or something uh, limit your first years, so the first two or three years that you're, you're becoming a Christmas tree farmer, I would highly recommend that you not just go, just don't shoot the moon. Don't try to plant 
thousands of seedlings in one year because I mean you got You can either learn by planting thousands of seedlings or you can learn by planting hundreds of seedlings. I would choose the hundreds of seedlings just to save you some money. And you're going to learn a lot about your land and the process, and labor, the time, and everything that's located to it. So if you only plant three or four hundred. You know, seedlings every year for the first two or three years. You're going to learn. You're going to save a little bit of money. Then you're going to see what your survivability rate is on those seedlings. You know, if I was if I was only going to plant three or four hundred, I'd plant a, I'd plant four species of a hundred in the spring. I'd plant two or three more hundred in the fall of different species. That way, after two years, you got about eight species in the ground, a couple hundred each, and you can really see what's working. I hope that's going to help some people out. Um, I don't want it to sound doom and gloom, but at the same time, I want to make sure that, you know, there's a lot. It feels like there's a boom happening right now, and a lot of people are interested in Christmas tree farming. I think it's, it would be wise that they sit down and think about all these things and visit some local Christmas tree farmers. Uh, here in central Kentucky, we've got, a, we've got just a handful of Christmas tree farmers here, but if you go to the Bit America Christmas Tree or the National Christmas Tree, uh, association, you can look up some other Christmas tree and just talk to some people. Um, what I have found is in this area, there's not a whole lot of collaboration, but in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Vermont, Connecticut and Oregon, there is a lot of collaboration there. They are easy to talk to and they like to share their information. So get out there and, and find somebody that will that will help you out. That's all I got. I'll see you next time.